Hello, and welcome to a little festive bonus Trees A Crowd. Some of the eagle-eared amongst you may have noticed that the regular three final questions were missing from this month's interview with the artist and activist Katie Holton. I mean, where would she like to go for a walk right now if she could go anywhere? And who is her natural history hero? And if she could bring any creature back from extinction, what would it be? Well, you're about to find out. So, before I hand you back over to the wonderful Katie Holton for an additional stocking filler, I wish you all a glorious Christmas and a new year tingling with positivity and promise. Merry Christmas. In the depth of the forest, an old oak the pride of the greenwood there. O'er his branches, the ivy her mantle threw when the forest boughs were bare. Oh, the oak and the ivy, oh, the oak and the ivy, oh. There are three questions that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. The first one is, if you could go for a walk anywhere in the world right now, where would it be? Right here. We should probably explain where we are. I brought you beneath the, the shade of a wild service tree in Duncliffe Woods. And it's the day after the summer solstice. Listen closely and you might hear the druids bugling. <laughs> When we arrived, we literally had some druids with their horns and drums, and I was terrified that I'd chosen exactly the wrong place to record a nice quiet interview lying down in the, in the dappled sunshine of a beautiful June day. Right here. Right here. I, I have no... Like, this, this, you're asking me right now. Right mm. now, I don't have any... Do you live in the moment? No. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of the time there's so much, because this is one reason I'm like, I have no desire to go anywhere else right now. Because of the book tour, it's, re- it's relentless. It's every day a different place. It's non-stop. And it's so nice to just sit down and lie under a tree. Why would I want to be anywhere else? But all of that is, involves planning. Mm-hmm. And so your book about trees isn't allowed to exist in tree time. That's the irony. It's all very ironic <laughs> that I have to rush around. Although I did, I, you know, I did the book tour as slowly as possible. <laughs> um, second question, who is your natural history hero? Maybe my mum and my granny, the two of them. The garden, learning. Very simple. Do you have a garden in the States at all? No, I don't have any outdoor space. I tried with the fire escape, but it's illegal. And once, if you ever have an emergency where the fire department has to come into your apartment, you see why. Yeah. Every inch of space could be the difference between life or death. And I tried composting and I hung a hammock up when we had some scaffolding covering the fire escape so nobody could see what I was doing. But then I, I was in the hammock swaying going, this is the life. And I accidentally, my feet foot tapped over the compost and it spilt and the entire street was stinking. <laughs> and the shop underneath us on the ground floor I think they had to shut down they didn't do any business for the rest of the day it was <laughs> so that was the end of my composting uh, no Why? I've always wanted I felt like I um, if anybody needs to have an outdoor space it's me um, I'm outside any second I get so it's Again, you know, it's ironic that I ended so up... So why New York then? I got stuck. It was this research. I went on a one-year Fulbright to look at our relationship with nature, and I literally got stuck. One project led to another, and... Is there anywhere in New York State that you go to regularly as your as your nature escape place? Well, I had to, um, you know, COVID slowed me way, way down. Pre, Pre-COVID? Oh, Pre, before. Um, Pre-present you? Well, our family, my partner had a house in Connecticut, 
so we would sometimes get to go there and it was a, you know literally that urge to to be somewhere like this where you're just surrounded by green because yeah. I, I get deeply disturbed if I'm not around all of this it, it's not natural for me and I probably for many people to be in this concrete jungle do you have sympathy so one of the things that I've been struggling with lately is the the reality of in Britain and England especially the reality that green spaces are very rarely wild very rarely natural right. I mean the bit of woodland that we're in right now is a little bit of ancient woodland but there's farmland right there there's a plantation mm -hmm. just up the hill on the other side mm -hmm. we've just come from a town that's over there and there's a motorway and a music festival a stone's throw away with 200,000 people dancing to uh, I know the Foo Fighters like to find a quiet place is is doable to find a wild natural place in this country is incredibly hard mm -hmm. and I and I feel myself like you as a, a New York City dweller constantly trying to find the bigger the wilder the less humanized yeah I think I've, I was meant to do the rewilding as soon as I heard about that term mm -hmm. you know it's only been recently right a few years yeah that it's come across my radar that Im instantly clicked it was like that's that is what I've been trying to articulate that I need because it's been almost 10 years, me and my partner have been searching for somewhere in the west of Ireland, somewhere quiet. Because as I mentioned, I have this problem with noise. I really need to be quiet. I love people. I feel like this book is about trees. It's also about people. Mm -hmm. But I do need to be alone. And I'm much more connected, I think, with the non-human, really. And that need to have a space that I can rewild feels really important uh, personally but also on the larger scale so it's been very very beautiful to discover the work that people like uh, Owen Dalton and the Home Tree mm -hmm. group in Clare the work that they've been doing and Owen Dalton sort of remade an Irish rainforest he, well he sort of discovered he found a land he had to leave Dublin and moved out west and it was an old abandoned farm and he noticed how he set up a fence so he could get rid of the grazers, keep the grazers out. And then the saplings appear really quickly. Mm -hmm. And Mancon, who I mentioned earlier, he did the same over just over 20 years ago in Westmeath. And once you have the grazers kept out, then everything starts finding a way, life finds a way and the trees start growing. And Guy Shrubsoul's book on the mm -hmm. lost um, British lost rainforest, rainforest of England. Same, same thing. So we're realizing um, if you keep out the the animals that munch everything, then these rainforests appear because that's the natural ecosystem. Should we redefine human beings as grazers? Oh, I think there are much bigger, <laughs> uglier words probably <laughs> to describe us. Final question. If you could bring any species back from extinction, what would it be? Uh, well, that's be uh, problematic. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other conversation. Go on then. Um, Start it. See how far we get. <laughs> well, if you bring something back, are you talking about the DNA playing around with the molecules I'm, of life? I'm not going to put boundaries on the question I asked. Uh, yeah, I see. I'm, I'm not. Into, I'm too of a f too much of a fuddy-duddy and old-fashioned in that way. Where I'm, I'm really worried about the tinkering with life. You know what's going on with AI right now is terrifying, and the fact that some of the people who are involved in helping to create it are so terrified they've quit their jobs so that they can come out and speak against it and say, yeah. "Wait a minute." We are really, this is like the nuclear bomb. We really need to be, to stop. Um, and I feel like this is 
very much when you talk about bringing back creatures from extinction it feels to me like you quickly get into the science and actually it was Brian Cox again who mentioned that if it can be done we should do it I was shocked to hear him say that and scared just because we can do something doesn't mean you should do it that by that logic then I could you know punch somebody in the face <laughs> people do do that but I'm not I'm I don't know if Brian Cox does that though. The best. No, I think he was talking more about exploring yeah. Mars and this the science. So we can clone humans and you know, they're trying other scientists doing it. It's kind of I think we're at a very scary moment and the things are sort of out of control. Oh, the old and the 